Welcome to the Hoof and Fang Podcast. I'm Kurt Graves. And I'm Asmatix. How is your week going so far? It is not as crazy as last week. Woo-woo! Thank God. <laughs> it's been a lot more chill. Yeah, you can't have two of those in a row. No. So luckily it's been just like nice. I even was able to get a little bit of writing done on Monday, which was kind of nice. Unthinkable. I know, right? Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was able to like get the day job to just chill out mm-hmm. and I took like my lunch break and just worked on some stuff so that was nice and like zen nice. so but yeah it's it's been your okay. lunch break yeah wink wink, wink. <laughs> that's what i have to say in case anyone ever tracks me down yeah. <laughs> but yes lunch break yes. <laughs> what about you has your week been a lot more chill no it's no been, well i mean it's not bad it's not like yours it's not chaotic yeah. like your week was last week Fair. it's just very busy yeah between regular work, podcast work, mm-hmm. I'm trying to launch another podcast now. Really? Uh, yeah, for narrators. Nice. So, because <laughs> like, why not add another podcast you know to your list? It really did seem like a good idea at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they spend so long in development that by the time you're doing two of them at the same time, it's like, oh, great! Wow, yeah, yeah. cool. <laughs> two at the same time. Yeah. So, so yeah, I've just been been busy, and then. I'm taking a, a class this month, mm-hmm. uh, just like a narrator open studio class, which has been good for me, but that's a night of my week then that is right. no longer available for all the other things that I do. And yeah, it was, it's a very, very busy January, mm-hmm. um, followed by a very not busy February and March. So, so that's good. Yeah. So you'll be able to maybe, no, I would no. like it to be like. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle, okay, <laughs> at all times. So it's know? going from like crazy busy to like just like a pitfall kind yeah. of thing. Okay, yeah, yeah that's not good. I so if it. you're out there and you were ever wondering, like, I wonder if Kurt Graves would narrate for me, now is a really good time to ask, <laughs> <Yeah>. guys. <laughs> the books are open. Books are of it. We have openings galore. <laughs> nice. So yeah. Yeah, now's your chance. <laughs> yeah, for real. You should put for like real. a a reel on Instagram or something and just be like, hey, like. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I guess it's been so long since I've had that uh, that need to like advertise myself. That, yeah, like, I definitely got out of the habit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and and so yeah, I mean, I've I've been putting out feelers mm. in other ways as well, just shy of the public announcement of somebody please hire me. But I guess <laughs> that's where we're at. Now. I was about to say. I mean, you just told a lot of people. Somebody like, please hire me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> tell your friends. Got to pay the bills. People. Yeah, Kurt is available. So. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. Um, and last week I got some fun information okay. that I forgot to share, which is why I actually put it in the outline this week. Nice. Because I was like, damn it. <laughs> um, but the Indie Inc. Awards, which mm-hmm. are happening, I think, for their second year this okay. year, um, have announced their finalists, at least to the people who have made the finals. Sweet. Uh, and so I found out that two of the books I worked on this year are finalists for the Indie Ink Awards audiobook narration category. Yay, that's awesome. Which is really exciting and fun. Yeah. Uh, and one of them is our friend of the pod, Craig Montgomery, for <gasps> A Circle of Stars. Oh, great. I love that. So that's really cool. Very cool. And then uh, the other one is M.A. Wardell's uh, uh, Mistletoe in Michigas nice. with Mark Sanderlin. So the two Very of cool. us are nominated there as well so that's i'm awesome. competing against myself <laughs> hey man that's awesome and my friend Lindsay, who's also a finalist which is fun that's cool and some other people who because they haven't been announced publicly yet so okay. unless, unless you catch it on social media when the authors are like hey this happened because mm-hmm. they got notified but 
Mm, gotcha. There's not like a list out there yet. But, oh, okay. Cool. But yeah, so that's very exciting and fun. Yeah, I'll need to. Well, if there, do you know when the list goes up? Because I'm curious as to who. I do not. Okay. I'll have to. I do I'll not. have to poke around because I'm curious, if, like who got what and mm-hmm. how it goes. Like, yeah. yeah I mean, and there's like many that. other categories that mm-hmm. both of those books got nominated in other categories. Um, but like, obviously, the one that matters to me is the audiobook yeah, narration exactly. one. Exactly. Yeah. Of course. Of course. I mean, that's the category that matters to me. Listen, I'm I'm the asshole that like any time that there's like MM romance like nominations and stuff, I always just search for my name first mm-hmm. before I do anything because <laughs> I'm always like, am I on here? No. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. where are my friends? You know what I mean? Right. So, but yeah, no, that's that's always priority one. No. <laughs> I'm like, you math? Yes. No. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually found out that uh, somebody messaged me saying that. One of my books was nominated for like best of 2023 for the Paranormal Romance Guild. Ooh, I was like, fun. oh, cool, right? So I was like, probably Gardens and Ghosts because dinosaurs. And so I was like, I kept scrolling and I kept looking for Gardens and Ghosts because mm-hmm. that's where my brain was and I didn't see it. So I was like, oh, I guess I rolled right past it. So I looked up with my name mm-hmm. and it was for Bullets and Butterflies, which has zero paranormal stuff in it. So I was like, what? what? <laughs> totally fucking confused. But apparently they have like a contemporary. Okay. Thing and I was like, why would a paranormal romance or a paranormal guild have a contemporary category? Like it's And for like, all the things in of your work to yeah, be nominated for. Exactly. The one you've done. Yeah. That has no none, sci-fi or fantasy none. whatsoever. Yeah, it's just assassins, like mm. no shifters or anything. And I was like, if you would have given me five guesses, I never would have guessed that book. Right. It was just like, oh, you, I mean, I'm happy. I could have given but, you 14 guesses and you still wouldn't have guessed. Yeah, that exactly. One. I'd have been like, that's all of my books. I don't right. know what you're talking about. Like, I, cause I always forget about it, which mm-hmm. makes me feel like a jerk. Cause I actually well, really but like if you're that guessing story. But, books at the paranormal yeah. guild is going to nominate. Right. That would be the last one you would guess. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like the one with none of, none that? of that. Great. Yeah. <laughs> See, and this is, we've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. Awards often they don't mean what no. we want them to mean, they're, like, but they're good marketing and it's sure. fun to talk about. So. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm always very happy and thankful and I celebrate when it happens and stuff. But yeah, that one was just like, there's always oh. more going on behind the scenes <laughs> mm-hmm. than just quality. Exactly. If, if awards could actually judge quality, mm-hmm. it would be a different thing, but there's no way to do that because no. it's just a, it's a subjective there's oh, for humans sure. behind it. It's imperfect. And yeah. sometimes just strange. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just strange. Just well, scary. congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations <laughs> to you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, our January audiobook, uh, which is uploading to Book Funnel as we speak, <gasps> exciting, uh, is Three Meant to Be by M.N. Bennett. It is out today. Yay! So, uh, so I did a weird thing right there where I talked about like how it's uploading as we speak in <laughs> real time. Yeah, yeah. But it's out today in podcast time. <laughs> both things are true that's great time is relative (laughs) uh so yeah the day this episode comes out Mm -hmm. it is available our patreon dear listeners have already gotten it in their book funnel account uh if you are a dear reader of our patreon you have a 40 percent discount waiting for you at the online store so Mm -hmm. you can buy it uh and if you're not either of those things why yeah and (laughs) also you can just go buy it in our online store Mm -hmm. available today yep we hope you enjoy it let us know what you think uh we are always looking for feedback and this one is one that our listeners told us they wanted yeah and you know what i i mean all of them were amazing books to pick to pick from so i'm Mm -hmm. not like dismissing the other ones but this one was a lot of fun like i really enjoyed listening to it especially at the end when like all the 
shenanigans are happening. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude, this book is a thrill ride. I really liked it. So Amen. I'm really hoping that people like vibe with it as much as I have. Cause I want, I want us to see right. it. Like I want to do the other ones. So I'm like, come on y'all <laughs> go buy the book. I'm excited. And also it's just fun to talk to people about books. Oh, you yeah, enjoyed. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, go check it out. That's uh, definitely something we want to, we hope you enjoy mm-hmm. and we want to hear about your enjoyment. Yeah. Speaking of things we enjoy, it's been a while since we just talked about some things that are making us happy. Yeah. In the world of media. Yeah. Books, television shows, just film, film, film. <laughs> so I thought today we could just chat about some things that are making us happy. I think that's a good time for that. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of doom and gloom happening. So this, this is mm. a nice little levity. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So what's something that's making you happy lately? Man, I, so I got back into, it's not uh, books, TV shows, or film, but I got back into playing Cult of the Lamb. Have I ever told you about that game? No. Okay. It is silly and really okay. fun. It is like, basically, you're a, you're a little lamb and you're a cult leader and you have to like organize your, your little cute animal cult. So all your little mm-hmm. followers are like anamorphic animals and they're like, little bears and bees and elephants and stuff. And you have to go rescue them from a dungeon where you beat up demons and stuff and you bring them back to your cult. You indoctrinate them with whatever tenets you decide to believe in. I'm a really nice cult. So Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. I I grow vegetables and everyone's happy, but you can be like super evil and eat people and be gnarly and bad. But I always do like happy, ridiculous cults. So I have like a little farm. And so like, that's what I've been doing after work, especially after like really stressful days. I go and, manage my cult and grow my garden and go beat up demons. <laughs> That's how I've been spending my evenings. And it's so lovely. <laughs> Your face is great. I... <laughs> it, it's just that one, you're a human adult, right? Yes, okay. I am. And other human adults enjoy this. Yeah. In fact, so many that a team of human adults mm-hmm. came together to write and design and program this game yeah it's it's very which fun. sounds <clears throat> so dumb <laughs> i know it sounds really silly but it's like if you have ever played any type of like farming simulator kind of thing or like any type of action beat-em-up games it's a good merger of both of those so if you're feeling mm-hmm. like you need to punch something mm-hmm. in the face you can go into the dungeon and okay. otherwise if you're like i don't want to punch something in the face i just want to like farm stuff and just make sure my little animal people are happy it's just nice and chill so it can kind of go either way wow yeah i learn new things every day yeah but honestly (laughs) i know it's so not your cup of tea at all but like man it's been a nice little (laughs) breath because i've I've also played this game before so i like restarted from scratch and i'm like i don't really care if it goes wrong because i already know what happens Mm -hmm. so i'm like yeah if some like my crops don't work i don't care so it's just real low stakes for me I get so, that. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the one of the things that I'm going to talk about is also sort of like that for me. Something yeah. I have consumed before and for some reason I was just like, now's the time to do a rewatch. Yeah. And it's uh, the series Ugly Betty. I've never seen that. It's, it's, so I mean, it's based on like a telenovela. Okay. Uh, so it's very campy, very soapy. Yeah. Um, it was sort of like the emergence of America Ferreira as like a star. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and like she's fantastic mm-hmm. in fact she was nominated for an oscar today <gasps> i love that That's i do awesome. too i do too i was like i feel like i helped because i've been re-watching ugly betty on netflix and that <laughs> Hell yeah put her in the zeitgeist yeah um 
of my life. Uh, but anyways, I, I don't get to vote for the Oscars, but, um, so yeah. And this is a thing that I started doing during the pandemic when like my brain just couldn't handle new things. Yeah. I needed the comfy, warm blanket of something I knew mm-hmm. what to expect. And if something I didn't like happened, I could just like skip it. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a big fan of doing that. I rewatched yeah. the office. You've seen me watch it oh, yeah, here yeah. a ton. That's my like During comfort lunch breaks, lunch breaks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it, it, yeah, it is. It's comfort TV watching. Mm-hmm. I used to not be able to do things like that. Cause if I knew the ending, I was like, what's the point? Yeah. Consume new things. Mm-hmm. You already know that story. But yeah. again, during the pandemic, I think my brain was just like, it needs to be soft. Mm-hmm. needs to be cozy. Yeah. You know? and for like, sure. So this is one of those that's like, I watched it when it first came out. I watched the original run. I haven't done a rewatch since. So mm-hmm. now is a good time to just watch a campy, bright, colorful show. Yeah. And I'm enjoying it. I, the second rewatch is always like my favorite. You know what I mean? Cause like when you hit like, five times mm. watching it you're I, I get to the point where i'm like i don't know if i'm super attached to this anymore but like second or third time re-watching a series that you really really like it's just mm-hmm. perfect because you're yeah. like i don't super remember everything so every once in a while i'm like oh i forgot how funny that was or whatever but yeah i, I feel you yeah have you seen anything new lately that you're like oh hell yeah i really like that like any new shows i've started watching the floor the floor on Fox. Okay. Uh, Rob Lowe hosts. It's a new game show. It's okay. like trivia and stuff. Yeah. Um, very low stakes. Nice. And so that's also enjoyable. Um, plus it's like a series of like battles, like between two people, mm-hmm. um, which means the, the episode sort of naturally break up into like eight different segments. Yeah. You can just watch a battle. And then like, if I'm done with my breakfast and mm-hmm. it's time to get in the booth, yeah, I can just stop. Nice. You know, because otherwise I have a hard time sometimes if I'm watching like a 45 minute long TV show and Mm -hmm. I finish what I'm like eating lunch or eating breakfast and there's still like 30 minutes left in the show. I was like, well, I'll finish this episode. And then that 30 minutes is gone. Oh, for sure. So I do enjoy any YouTube and or television series that is like broken up into small pieces that like I can just stop. That sounds fun. You know, every 10 minutes or so. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. so at the house, we call those like popcorn shows mm-hmm. or whatever, where you, or like potato chip shows or something where yeah. it's like, I could just have a, like a couple minutes and then move on. Yeah. So it's more like a snack instead of a full meal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I need a good like bite size, whoops, bite size show to get into because <laughs> lately the stuff that I've been binging have been like 40, 55 minute long kind of things. I'm like, that beats mm-hmm. up so much time. Yeah. Cause I'm just like you have. If I've already committed that much time into it, I want to finish the episode yeah. or whatever. So, yeah, I feel you. Otherwise, you got to expend mental energy later trying to remember what was going yeah, on. I don't typically remember. That shit's out of my brain like immediately. No. So anything. So what else is making you happy? Um, we watched. I don't know if I. it made me happy, but it was <laughs> it was stupid enough to where I went ahead and watched the entire season. Okay. But there is um, a... TV sher- series based off of Chucky, like the doll, the little evil doll. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was stupid. It was stupid. But Chucky was actually very delightful the entire time. Like they got the original voice actor back and stuff. And he just, I appreciate so much that this guy just leaned into the role. Mm-hmm. Like, cause he's been doing it since the eighties. So right. you'd think he'd be like phoning it in. Stu was having a great time. I'm sure those paychecks. Oh, make for it sure. Worth it. Yeah. And I found out like his daughter is one of the actors in it and stuff. So I was like, Aww. oh, that's kind of cool. Right. So like, that I really enjoyed and I enjoyed like his performance, but the rest of it was just garbage. Yeah. But at least for that, I was like, this is fun. Cause right. like, I like the Chucky movies when I was a kid. Like I always thought they were fun. So I was like, 
It's kind of like seeing an old friend again, but one who wants to kill you because he's a doll. Yeah. But yeah, it was okay. It was it was <laughs> almost like <laughs> well, okay. it was a solid yeah. like C for Jackie. I'm done. I'm sorry. <laughs> C for Jackie. Yeah, I didn't mean for it to go that direction, but, but it there did. it did. It did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am currently reading the third book in the Incarnate Accounts. We interviewed oh, nice. Justin Shulky. Yeah. Uh, a few weeks back, mm-hmm. and uh, that sort of prompted me to like jump back in because mm-hmm. uh, I had stopped after book two and I was like, Oh, book three is already available. Book four has since come out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, and I'm really enjoying it. It's nice. fun. It's, it is fun sometimes to read a book that I'm not narrating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or that I'm not reading for a podcast. Right. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I need to, man, I've, I went to paper crane and bought like four books and mm-hmm. they've just been patiently waiting for me to get my shit together and read it. But like, I have the newest, um, Bone Dust and Bookshops, like, waiting for me. The newest um, Power Unbound is chilling. Like, mm-hmm. I just need to pick them up. But they're they're there. They're there. They're there. And I know both they're of waiting. those are going to be cozy, fun. Like, well, I mean, the Bone Dust one isn't going to have any romance, I don't think. But that one's just, like, cozy fantasy at its best. And then the other one's a great MM romance that's just like, hi, like, right. you should be reading me. So maybe I'll do that <laughs> this weekend. But at least start. Yeah. See if see if it can grab your attention. We're not. I like. I find I'm not always in the mood to be mm-hmm. a reader. Yeah. Um. But like when it happens, it's like oh, it's so nice to just yeah. return to just like reading a book. Yeah. Exactly. You know? maybe, I, maybe I do audio all the time. Right. Still, all the time. But it's so nice to like just read a book. I think. I think where I'm maybe shooting myself in the foot is I haven't tried either one of those audios. Like. That's probably mm. what I need to do is I need to go get one of those in audio so I can play my stupid game and listen to a book. And because I could do both things yeah. for that book because that game is like low mental energy. Mm-hmm. So I can listen to a book and just beat up things and right. not care. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what I should do. Yeah. That's the plan then. I'll Indeed. pick one of those for Saturday. Indeed. Yeah. Very good. I also this weekend went to see a play. <laughs> That my friend was in. Oh, yeah. Um, so I just want to put in a plug for things that make you happy. Mm-hmm. Going to see friends in things that they're passionate about. Yes. Yes. A plus. Whether that's a play or uh, uh, if they're musicians, if they're mm-hmm. playing somewhere, uh, or if they are storytellers telling stories. Or, mm-hmm. I mean, hell, even if they're like people who do sports. Yeah, dude. If you really love that person and they love doing the sports and you think that could make you happy. Go do that too. Go support a friend. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I've got a, a good friend of mine who does art. Like she does some of these um, local markets and stuff and mm-hmm. she sells her prints. And I just love going and watching her talk to people and people like looking at her art and buying it and stuff. Yeah. Like I just, I love seeing that and supporting that. So awesome. Yeah. Anything else making you happy? I mean, getting to see you every day. Oh, you're like, shut up. <laughs> No, we don't do that. Here. Yeah, I know. We don't do sentimentality. We, no. we see each other every day, so it's fine. <laughs> so those are just a few things that are making us happy. Mm-hmm. What's making you happy right now? Let us know in the comments or send us a message. Um, this week, we are talking to author Sarah Wallace. Sarah Wallace lives in Florida with their cat, more books than they have time to read, a large collection of classic movies, and an apartment full of plants that are surviving against all odds. We got to talk to them about Metal and Men series, as well as their upcoming collaboration with author S.O. Callahan. This is our interview. 
with author Sarah Wallace. Welcome to the Hoof and Fang podcast, author Sarah Wallace. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we're very excited to chat with you. Uh, so we have some deep dives to do about the individual books, but can you start just by telling us, like, what's your story? What's your origin story? How'd you get started in life and as an author? <laughs> All right, my origin story. So I am uh, from Florida, um, born and raised in Central Florida, and I've we I'm won't hold that against people. you. I know. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I uh, I always wanted to be a writer um, ever since I was a little kid, um, but. Uh, I, I spent a few years not writing um, in my late, late 20s, early 30s. And then I used to work at Disney. I worked at Disney for about 15 years. And, oh, awesome. um, yeah. and uh, while I was working there, they had this program that they launched called Aspire, where you were able to get a free education. Um, and so I pursued a graduate degree. And it was the exact graduate degree I had wanted but couldn't afford. Um, and it was a graduate degree in creative writing. Um, and it had been like seven or eight years since I had really written when I started that degree. And I had like a month of panic that like, I didn't actually have any stories left in me. And uh, thankfully, I had the external motivation of I had to write a story for class. And I was at the time reading a lot of queer romance and also a lot of Georgette Hare. So I combined the two things that I was reading to create the stories that I really wanted to read, which was queer Regency romance with a fantasy element, because I always like adding fantasy elements to my stories. So that You'll was hear how no my... complaints from us. Yeah. <laughs> with our favorite things. <laughs> yeah. It always ends up in there. I don't know how. So yeah, right? that's how I started my, my Madeline Men series was uh, out of a panic in grad school and uh, worked out really well. <laughs> Awesome. That's really how, cool. How long ago was that? Like, how long did you start that series? I started that series, I think, in 2019. Okay. Nice. Back in the good old days. Yeah, before Back everything went crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> before times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can I ask, what, what job did you do at Disney? Yeah, um, I did a few jobs. Um, my first job was working in the attractions side. So I worked at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Um, I worked in at the Voyage of the Little Mermaid show, um, live show with the Little Mermaid. Um, Fun. There, yeah. <laughs> it was a very interesting job. And I worked at Toy Story Midway Mania um, when it was like the most popular ride at Walt Disney World. Um, mm. And so I did, I worked in attractions for like seven or eight years. And then I worked um, called backstage in like a, an office-y type of job. Um, and then I moved from, we're, basically we were keeping track of where, like how the attractions were running in terms of breaks and, you know, letting people mm. know like, hey, that you're 10 minutes behind on breaks. You need to jump in or whatever. And then I did five years as a scheduler. And then I left that job um, as a scheduler to become a scheduler at another company. <laughs> so. Got it. You know, That's you forget awesome. that there are like so many jobs at a place like that, um, yeah. that are not the out front, yeah. like people in costumes jobs. 
Although yeah, I was really yeah. hoping you were going to say you were a person in costume. I, I am so sorry. I am, I am not tall enough to be a princess, and I, I think I'm the, I think I'm a little too tall to be like a person in, um, like the fur costumes. Um, mm. I might be the right height for that, but um, I never actually applied Sadly, for any of those. Sadly, never jobs. got that chance. Yeah, no, no, I feel like that, that, that would be a hard job too. So. It is. My friend Amanda from college was one of the characters. Yeah. she was uh, Ariel and. Mm-hmm. And this is a real kick in the pants because, like, she got to be Ariel, but they were also like, "You're going to be an ugly stepsister." Oh, <laughs> that's so mean! But those guys, I think, the stepsisters have the most fun because they can be she loves rude it. and annoying. And I feel like it'd be more fun than being a princess because you can have to be perfect when you're a princess. Well, especially yeah, yeah. Ariel because she, like, I saw so many pictures and she's just kind of like perched on a shell and like. Oh yeah, yeah, you wouldn't talking to kids. I'm like, God, that seems terrible. But walking yeah. around being mean to people, <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Perfect. Yeah, it's a good job. <laughs> that sounds amazing. That sounds like what I do every day. I just don't wear a costume. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, you just walk around the office being mean. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so let's talk Regency fantasy gay romance. Yes, that's a lot of yes. amazing things. Like so many of my favorite boxes have been ch- like checked like going down the list i was like yep love all those things that's awesome <laughs> i we've we've sort of touched on this before in other interviews but like it must be somewhat difficult to approach a queer romance set in a time when obviously something like that in the real world uh could not have been open mm-hmm. you know uh yeah. so like how did you navigate that as a writer um, so early on, I decided to make it a queer normative world. Um, and nice. since it's a fantasy series, that kind of gives permission for a lot of things. And something I've kind of have a pet peeve, not like in a broad sweep or anything, but as a pet peeve of mine when there are fantasy, historical fantasy stories that are like rigid in that specific historical accuracy. Mm. And I'm like, you can have vampires, but you is bad if you're gay like wh- why do we draw yeah. a line there so yeah. uh I like I that course it make... didn't have enough buttons <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah right right exactly right and so uh for me i wanted basically with with meddling men in particular i really wanted to have a low stakes historical romance because i feel like queer people don't get that with historical romance they usually get the oh if we're caught we might go to prison <laughs> sort of a thing yeah. and i really wanted a soft like oh the 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 stakes are, you know, I have to marry well, or the stakes are, I think this person's in love with me, but he's a duke. So like, I wanted those sorts of like, kind of frothy stakes that we get in historical romance, but with queer characters instead. And so I made the whole thing queer normative. So in both the Medal Men series and the series I'm co-writing with uh, S.O. Callahan, um, it's like, uh, same-sex marriages are completely legalized um, and trans and non-binary people are legally recognized. So the con- the queerness is never a conflict in the stories. It's always anything else that you might have in a romance, you know, historical romance, those are the conflicts. So. Cool. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I think I'm aligned with you. Cause like, I, I love that those stories exist where those people have to push back against the laws and are still living their authentic selves in these very rigid societies. But when you get to just delve into a world where that's just established where it's fine, then you get to really 
immerse into the juicy drama of just a normal romance. So you can have yes. all the drama and the like the ridiculousness of falling in love with the Duke and, you know, those wonderful tropes that go into those historical romances where they're, it's not meant to be, but not because they're gay, because they're in different stations in life. Like who doesn't love right. that kind of story? I love those stories. Right. So exactly. yeah, I, yeah, I, I love the more like, I don't, it shouldn't matter. They're gay. I want to know about how they're going to navigate this social structure. Like that's fun. Yes, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, I'm right there with and you. Like, Which spoon do I use when? Yeah, that's more of a faux pas. They they exactly. wore the wrong outfit to a summer social, and now they're like blacklisted, but they don't care that they're gay. Like that's that's the kind of shit I like. Yeah, we are caught in the garden, and it's not that we're going to be shunned because we're two men. We're shunned because, like, we now have to get married because we were stuck in a place. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I love stick. that. And I think that there's a lot of value in the stories of the stakes are the realistic stakes. Like, I think that has a lot of value, too, because we need to show queer people finding joy in constricting societies. But I also think there's also value in these sorts of low stakes fantasy worlds where we get to right. see queer people just having joy and just having fluffy conflicts is i think also very valuable and important so it's about balance <laughs> and I, I well i was just about to say like i think i actually have an easier time accepting a queer normative world in a fantasy regency past setting uh than i do when i see it in contemporary romance because mm -hmm. there is the part of me that's like well this is lovely. It is fun. Like it's fun. It's a nice escape. But I was like, but let's not give the impression that this is what the world is right now. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and there's no danger of that if we're like pretending yeah. we're in the 1600s and like, and just right. having fun exactly. yeah. being, yes. being gay in the past. Yeah. You know? Being gay in the past. Exactly. I like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know? So, uh, so yeah, I actually, I, I, and I'll admit, like, sometimes I bump up against that in, in queer romances that are contemporary. I'm like, mm, this is, mm -hmm. I was like, really? They're just walking down the street holding hands in this small town in Idaho? Huh? Yeah. Oh, hmm. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, good for them. <laughs> <laughs> Coolest town on earth, I guess. Yeah, Shit. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but again, yeah. it's good. It's good to have balance and to see both sides of that. Yeah. For sure. Um, I would love to hear just more about like the world, like how fantasy uh, shows itself in your world. Uh, like what are the elements that you include in uh, in Metal and Mend? We'll start there and then we'll okay. talk about Perfect. the so, next series. Metal and uh, Mend, I, my favorite type of magic system is like a scientific sort of magic system. Um, so I really love when there are measurements and calculations and they have to use specific ingredients and they have to weigh them. And like, that's my favorite kind of magic system as if it's basically a, another type of science. So, um, so metal and mend is very scientific magic. It's also kind of a, because it's a scientific sort of magic, it's almost like an additional technology. So it's, mm -hmm. it's not, it's, it's present in all of the books, but it's not necessarily a huge, I try to make magic, a core part of the plot's conflict so that like if I took out the magic it would change the story so I tried to make sure that was the case but it's also sort of a background piece of the world like it just happens to have magic. it's a matter of fact um, mm -hmm. sometimes it's like yeah. turning the lights on yeah yeah exactly that's what you know. that's how I prefer to have magic usually everyone can do it some people are better skilled at it than others but it's really just like some people are better skilled at music than others it just exists so that's 
how I build my system for Medlinmond. Cool. Yeah, I love the idea of a, a science ground magic because you don't see it very often. Like, I, I think I've seen it like yeah. similar in, in some more, definitely not in romance, but like in more um, fantasy novels and stuff. Like I know name are the uh, King Killers Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss. Their, his magic okay. system is kind of more like based in like a science approach in a like earth science almost kind of way and like physics. Mm -hmm. It's It's very, very specific. And I thought that was so interesting. But, like, you don't really see – magic is always this fantastical thing. You don't really get to yeah. know the sciencey roots behind it, which is where my brain lives. Like, I'm I'm such a science person. So, like, yeah. the idea of being able to quantify it in a way where you – like, there's – like, you said, like, math and stuff. Like, that's so interesting. Yeah. So, when you say that they have oh, to yeah. do, like – that's what magic was missing, math. Well, <laughs> listen, it's listen. Cool. <laughs> Let me be the artsy no fartsy actor over here and be like, oh, great, math. <laughs> I think that's so cool, though. Like, I'm like, li like, my background is earth science and shit. So, like, I'm, I'm all that's about so this. Cool. But, like, so when, when you say, like, measurements and stuff, so is it, like, potion and alchemy kind of kind vibe? Of or sometimes more, like, um, so basically the concept is that, like, everything has magic in it. And okay. everything has like a magical property in, in that like everything is a different type of magical personality. So if you take a feather or if you take like dried rose petals, those will have two different magical properties. So they'll be used in a different way for a magic spell. And so the characters in the books have to kind of memorize what the different magical properties are for different items so they can use them and, and they can do substitutions. So it's kind of like a cooking sort of thing where like you could take out this one ingredient and put a different ingredient in and it's going to have a similar taste to it um but it might be slightly more powerful if you use this and if you're doing it on a larger scale you have to measure it properly so you can scale it up um it's not it's usually like a written out thing so they usually do it in like chalk um and write out sigils and then they usually like do some sort of like hand gesture or incantation to like activate the magic um and it essentially the idea is that they're transferring some of their magical power onto the magical items to get the magic to do what they want it to do out of the magical items they've put together that's cool I and love how that. do you keep track of all of that <laughs> yeah you've got to have like a spreadsheet or something like i was just thinking i was like oh my god i'd forget the moment i wrote it down i'd be like i don't remember what i mean you have to like do. create your own grimoire to keep yeah. track of all that stuff right? <laughs> I'm not as detailed as I should be, so I. <laughs> so you have a good editor then. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm pretty vague on some of the stuff. I did recently buy like a whole bunch of like floriography type of books, so I could start being more specific in it. Um, I also use a lot of like made-up plants, which help a lot because no one can, you know, fact check me on dragon's breath because it's not a real thing so like i just yeah, say yeah. oh this are the properties of dragon's breath it can heat everything up they're like great perfect mm -hmm. so like Love I, don't, I don't know but um <laughs> so i do that sort of thing um i i'm not always super specific like i do try to be mindful of like what um ingredients they might have so i'm trying to think of a good one that i did was like a quieting spell in one of the books where it's like I think there's like cotton and fabric and like a stopwatch so they can like control the time for, of the spell. Um, but it's mostly things that I was like, okay, this would sort of muffle sound is like broadcloth and cotton 
and I don't know what else. Like anytime there's something that's like adding lightness to it, like flotation or whatever, there's always a feather involved. Um, mm. So that sort of thing is is usually what I do. It's I it's more scientific in that the characters are scientific. I'm not very scientific. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> well, but if it follows a logical path, yeah, exactly. Then, it has it has its own like you know hard rules as far as like you understand that in this universe things have magical properties. So mm-hmm. when they yes. toss it all together and and enchant it, you're like, oh, that makes sense because the right. rules are established. So right, like yeah. dragon's yeah. breath makes something warm. Yeah. I love that feathers yeah. make things fly. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Like it, exactly. It, it's yeah. easy to digest. I love that. Right. Right. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Um, what about the romance part of it? Mm. Mm. <laughs> so uh, there's four books. Uh, yes. Is it an anthology series where it's a different couple every book, or are we following the same couple? So it's a different couple every book. They're not all romances. Um, the second oh. and third oh. books oh. are, are romances. <laughs> Here <Yeah>. we go. <laughs> So uh, the first book is a romance. Um, it's a romance between two men. It's the main character's demisexual. Um, it's also all epistolary. So um, the whole thing is told via letters. Um, oh, that's so cool. Very difficult to do, but it was very fun. Um, and the second book is a completely new character who meets, um, she like saves the life of the love interest from the first book at the very beginning of the book. And so it's about how that good deed kind of changes the trajectory of her life. Um, and she's aromantic. So there's a platonic relationship, but there's no romance in that one. Um, and the third book's about her, that main character's best friend. Um, and um, it's about found family. And there is like a romantic subplot in there, but it's not a romance. They don't end up together. You just know that they're probably going to eventually end up together. Um, okay, cool. And the yeah, the fourth book is, also a romance it's also epistolary it's told through journal entries rather than letters um it's the younger brother of the main character from book one um and it's another gay romance main character is gay the love interest is a trans man um and um i'm planning to have eight books total for the series um and the other four will all be romances um this book is coming out hopefully in june um and that's going to be the first male-female romance in the series. Um, also queer. Um, <laughs> Just kidding. Queer. You guys are allowed. <laughs> uh, so that's the plan. Sixth book is, is going to be a continuation of the couple from book three. Um, give them their happily ever after, finally. Um, nice. Seventh and eighth books haven't been written yet, but I know what they're going to be about. I haven't gotten to them yet. <laughs> so awesome. That's really cool. It kind of runs the gambit of like different relationship types and stuff and representation, which is fantastic. Thank you. That was my kind of my focus with this series. Like I, I do try to be mindful of representation and that I try to have like body diversity and I try to have diversity in terms of representation as much as possible for like queer spectrum. But um so that's been sort of how I've approached it a lot. Like book five, it was a male female romance, and I was like, how can I make this queer as possible? So like the <laughs> the female main character is demi romantic, the male main character is pansexual, um, and so that one that one's that one's queer in that way. Um, so I, don't know, I tried to I tried to do as much representation as possible so that hopefully everybody can find themselves in this world in some way. So. 
So I know you have a new series or a new book that's coming out, The Breeze Spells and Bridegrooms, which I love the cover of that so much. Like, it's so cute. It was one of those, like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I love it. Like, I immediately love both characters. And like, you could just tell their personalities from first glance. Like, I was like, oh, yep, that's cute. Mm -hmm. Cute as hell. Love it. So and that, yeah, is that another magical? That. Yeah, it's so good. Yes. Is that another magical universe? Yes. So that one um, is both S.O. Callahan and my first character on the cover book. So we're both, it's very fun to have people like, oh, this is so cute. Like, we never had that before. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it is also a fantasy. It's very similar to my Medlin Men world. Um, it was honestly more difficult to try to make it distinct from Metal and Men than anything because I wanted to make sure it wasn't too too similar. But in this world, um, Faye exists as well as humans, um, which Shannon S. O'Callaghan um, loves writing Faye stories. So that was kind of an early decision to make it a Faye and human um, population. Um, and so we have two separate magic systems in book one. Um, so the Faye have a very nature-based magic that is like in them. Um, and they can control different aspects of nature um, just innately. Um, and then the human magic system is, again, similar to Metal and Men. I tried to make it different. Um, so that one is done on paper, um, and they draw it out with pencils. And again, they have to do, like, it's not incantations as much. It's more, like, sigils and calculations, again, because I really like that. Um, and... The human magic is more of like they break down ingredients into powders and liquids and um, that sort of thing. And the Fae hate it because for them it feels kind of like aggravating because they can feel the magic in these ingredients, but they've been broken down. So it, it feels like discordant to them. So that's some of the friction that the two main characters have is that one of them uses all these powders and liquids and everything. And the other one's like, why are you doing that? Why can't you just use a leaf and do that to free your magic? Yeah. Why um, do you have to break it down that much or destroy it basically in their eyes? Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the idea is that like, it's so powerful in its natural form that it's too powerful for humans to use. So they have to do that so they can control it. So it's a lot of the conflict in book one is them trying to figure out a compromise that, can work for both of them and both of their magic so that's the, that magic system fun yeah that's and i also cool. I, I mean you know do this but like one of the characters is like short and a little pudgy on the cover and i'm like yeah yeah i love that yes bring yes. it and it is yes. it's a super cute cover um how i'm always curious like how authors decide it's time to team up so how did you and so callahan find your way to each other and decide yeah you know what my life needs? Uh, more coordination with another human being. <laughs> it's actually very cool and kind of a weird story. So I posted on Instagram, uh, like a tweet. I posted to my stories that was like, historical romance authors. What I really want is a book about two rivals who fight each other via a gossip column and are always sending, sending damning stories about each other in a gossip column and the writer gets back at them by announcing they're engaged and then they have to go with it. Um, and I posted that to my stories and said, this would be so fun to write. And so Callahan responded and said, do you want to write this together? Um, and to give some like background, not, we had known each other for a few months at that point. Um, we weren't, we were acquaintances, we were friends ish in the way that you're kind of friends with a lot of people on Instagram where you, like each other's stuff, you share each other's stuff and comment, but you're not like BFFs. 
Um, and I had read her book, Fell Enchanted, which I recommend. Um, and that book is a queer, cozy fantasy, um, gay romance with Faye set in late 1800s Ireland. And Ooh. my books are queer, cozy fantasy set in early 1800s England. So it was like, these are really close together. So it was when she sent that text, I'm like, this is probably the best author I could possibly think of to team up with because we already write such similar settings um, and such similar stories. So I immediately responded with like, if you're serious, yes. So um, it's been better than either of us could have expected. Um, I We both have agreed that we actually like co-writing more than we like solo writing now um, because it's been so fun <laughs> to write together yeah. that we we are absolutely just addicted to writing with each other. It's really fun. <laughs> That's like the best case yeah. scenario. Like I love that. And I, I think I'm going to I'm going to try that. Like I'm just going to like come up with a very specific idea and just do a call to action and be like just like cast yes. the net and see if I cuz yes. like one of the things I super want to do is I eventually want to find somebody who I gel that much with so I can do like a cool co-writing thing and I've yet to yes. snag anyone. So I'm going to try your technique. I don't know that saying yeah. snag yeah. is going to help anybody. So I'm going <laughs> to wrestle them down and make them write with me, but yeah. I've yet to cajole them into being a partner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe it's just the right idea. Yeah, maybe. You know? Yeah, I just have to come up with something. Time that... to start throwing shit on your Instagram stories and see yeah, the Yeah, exactly. You never know. Mm-hmm. You never know. Yep. You never know. <laughs> yeah, well. Hints and to everyone listening. Yeah, exactly, yeah, right? right? Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> our hot writing tip from this interview. It's like, if you've got a good idea, cast the net. Maybe you'll find like an awesome co-writer. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, and I mean, the fun thing about this is the day this podcast comes out, uh, Breeze Spells and Bridegrooms comes out the next day. <gasps> fun. Yeah. So January 27th, you are able to, yeah. uh, where are they able to get uh, the book and what formats can they get it in? Uh, they can get it in all formats um, and um, all platforms. Um, currently, we can't. The, we're publishing through draft to digital for ebook and paperback. And for some reason, draft to digital doesn't allow pre-order capabilities for Kindle. So you can't pre-order the ebook on Amazon currently. Um, and we were a little late in getting the audiobook uploaded to Findaway Voices. So I think Audible, it's still not available for pre-order on Audible yet. So Audible might be a bit of a delay, but um, but they can get it on audiobook on like Chirp and um, mm-hmm. I forget the other one that they get it, but you can get it on several different audiobook sites. You can get it right. on paperback pretty much everywhere and you can get it on ebook everywhere. And hopefully when you're listening to this tomorrow, um, you'll be able to get it on Amazon as well, hopefully. Yeah. Awesome. Strongly endorsed buying audiobooks in places besides Audible. <laughs> yeah. It's not yeah. the only yeah. market. <laughs> it's not. It's no. not it. Mm-hmm. It's not the only no. one. Oh, I so. think uh, Libro FM was the other one. I think Chirp and Libro. That's FM the best one to use. There it's, you go. Listen, if folks out there don't know about Libro FM, it is the exact same price as Audible per month. Mm-hmm. You get the exact same credit, um, and a lot of the same options for books. In the indie market, you might lose out some because mm-hmm. Amazon has a stranglehold on their ACX distribution platform. But yes. Libro FM, if you uh, have a membership through them, you can choose a local bookstore. And part mm-hmm. of the sale of that audiobook goes to your local bookstore. It's a way yeah. to support local bookstores. So Libro FM, if you're not using it, I 
will admit I have a membership to both mm-hmm. to audible yep. for the things that I can only get there. Um, yep. but otherwise I use my Libro FM to get a lot of the things that are available everywhere. Yes. Yeah, and it's cool. One thing I've discovered too, is that if you have a local bookstore, sometimes if you go there, they'll have a QR code you can scan for mm-hmm. Libro FM and it will take you directly to that bookstore's Libro FM site so that you can yep. actively support that local bookstore and it's an mm-hmm. easy way to do it. So if you're already going to the bookstore, then you can yeah. add a virtual way to support them too. Exactly. And if your local bookstore isn't already connected to Libro FM, tell them about it. Mm-hmm. All they have to do is go apply. And then they can also be seeing some a little bit of kickback uh, on audiobook purchases through Libro FM. So yeah, was not planning on having a Libro FM commercial as part of this episode, <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, I we're do, not we're not sponsored. I do love the I do love them, and I I hope more people will use them uh, either instead of or in addition to Audible. Yeah, because the more audiobooks, the better. Mm-hmm. That's what I have I to say. And so. I'm also going to give a plug to Kobo Plus, which is another good subscription service that has an audio option. My books are all on Kobo Plus as ebook and audiobook. Um, and Kobo Plus is a really nice option for indie authors who are wide, um, are not um, exclusive to Amazon, um, because you can you can offer your books on a subscription-based service like Kindle Unlimited, only Kobo does not require um, exclusivity. So you can... Mm do Kobo Plus and also Google or Barnes & Noble and Amazon. Um, yeah. So that was another really good option for indie authors. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. This was, uh, it was lovely to learn more about your books and your writing and, and the worlds that you've created. Uh, and I hope that our listeners are readying their little buying thumbs. <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> They're reading, reading like, their like it's clicky just like, fingers. Right. Oh. I was like, it, like it doesn't make any noise to buy things on a phone. So it's like it could if you have sound on an like an right, Apple get, phone. Get your little hot fingers ready to go press buy <laughs> on Breeze Spells and Bridegrooms available on January twenty seventh, which is tomorrow. If mm-hmm. you're listening to this episode the day it comes out, yes. Uh, and if you're not listening to this episode the day it comes out, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah, how dare you? Jeez. <laughs> Get with it. <laughs> no. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us, Sarah. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. So as we mentioned in the interview, Sarah and S.O. Callahan's book, Breeze, Spells, and Bridegrooms, comes out tomorrow, Mm -hmm. January 27th. If you are listening to this episode, the day it comes out, uh, make sure to check that out. A new collaboration, a new series Mm -hmm. with an adorable cover. Love that cover so much. Yes. And you can follow Sarah on social media. Links are in the show notes. Um, Our socials are also in the show notes. So if you aren't already, please follow the Hoof and Fang podcast as well as our individual socials. we can connect. Um, I also encourage you to check out our website where you can find more information about us, uh, links to our Patreon, our online store, and our Hoof and Fang audio program where we are still accepting submissions to have your queer book turned into a queer audiobook. Mm. So don't be afraid to submit. Yes. Awesome. We will talk to you guys next week. See you then. Bye-bye.